Radio show Wednesday morning, April twenty sixth. Is that right? April twenty sixth. It is. It's my daughter's birthday today. Is so it? I remember really? that. Yeah. We need to get her on the air. And <laughs> happy birthday she would love that. She's all about anything? her birthday. She's like a major birthday girl. <laughs> Especially she, when it's hers, right? She's That's never a... up in the morning before I go to work, and she was up this morning <laughs> waiting for me and saying, "Dad, are you going to tell me happy birthday this morning?" <laughs> <laughs> did you? I did. Uh, how yes, could of you, course you how did. How could you not? All right, Voice of Truth Radio Show. You're listening to, right now, we're live on Wednesday. If you're listening on Wednesday, if you're listening on Thursday at 5, we're recorded. Saturdays at 3. Also, you can hit our Facebook. We don't have anyone on our Facebook page. We need to start pushing that because we, you, Tim, you, you put some of our stuff on there that we talk about during the show. So go to... Voice of Truth with Mike Azinger. Like our page. We need to start promote, promoting that a little bit. We also podcast at Voice of Truth with Mike Azinger. You're listening to the only show in America where you'll experience a fusion of church and state. We bring that to you exclusively and uniquely, right? Absolutely. Um, so uh, a lot going on in the culture, as usual. The big thing, and I don't even have this in my notes, Pastor Leversy, but, um, of course, Tucker Carlson was uh, booted <laughs> off Fox. You may have heard. <laughs> yeah, we were hoping we could bring him on our team. Yes, we, uh, we we put an offer out to him of zero money, and I think he's turned it he down. He doesn't need it. I have, I, I, the rumors I've been listening, I listened to a guy who used to go on Fox a lot last night, a like, 35-minute uh, interesting uh, perspective on what he thinks happened. He used to be on Fox all the time. Uh, but um, anyway, he thinks uh, I, I, what I'm reading is Tucker probably made 15, 20 million a year. He was the big dog there. Yeah. He was, you know, everyone's saying, I kind of feel sorry for Hannity, but everyone's saying he's the reason people watch Fox. Right. And I just kind of cut Fox off after the election just because I, you know, I, I, I just don't want to watch anymore. Yeah. Uh, but but if I'd watch, I'd watch Tucker and a little of Hannity, but um, and uh, maybe one or two others. But but uh, so Tucker Tucker is not going to be hurting. He's uh, he's an important voice because he's so courageous. Uh, on, on did you hear his latest things? He had uh, some kind of uh, I don't know what who he was addressing, but very recently they were showing some kind of address he was making and he was speaking about the nature of good and evil in culture and he had a really he had a lot of really good actually biblically principled things to say and he and he's very upfront about you know his connections religiously i th- I, I think he's episcopalian, he is, episcopalian. Is, is what he says and and he, he doesn't he doesn't speak to that in a, in a in a prideful way, <laughs> he says, well, "Yeah, we're like the most dying, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. breed of, of Christianity." But, but nonetheless, uh, you know, I, I I can't speak to to the man's salvation. I, I I've never heard him give a, a clear testimony of, of being a saved person, and and more than likely, um, you know, he would have a clear testimony if that was the case. But, but this this what he he spoke about good and evil in our culture was very crystal 
and somehow he has a perspective on it that mm-hmm. that seems to be biblical. Yeah. You know, if if you are, I grew up Episcopalian, and I I ran as fast as I could when I was eighteen <laughs> because they've adopted. Uh, they were one of the first churches to adopt the uh, uh, gay marriage mm-hmm. uh, philosophy, um, and actually the, the the man who who pastored the church where I was. Uh, was was very influential in that. He mm-hmm. took a big church, the big Episcopal church in D.C. after he left here. He was, um, he's one of those guys you wish was a Baptist. You know, <laughs> you, we, you wish he was one of us, but he's uh, very liberal and was and spearheaded that. Now we're going to talk later in the show uh, about the uh, UMC United Methodist mm-hmm. Church, a big split going on there, and mm-hmm. it's over the transgender LGBT stuff, and it's good. You got to split. Yeah. Splits aren't bad. No. You know they can be, but but uh, when you're when it's for purification That's purposes, right. they're certainly certainly good. Talking about it this Sunday with Judas. Um you know, leaving the group of the twelve and the purification that had to take place in that group before mm. the Holy Spirit came and and the church was propelled into really uh, what God had called it to be. So, mm. yeah, there you go. Splitting's not bad. Uh, Tim, we're going to play. I've came across, uh, of course, David Barton is on our radio station in the evening. I forget what time, but uh, Wall Builders, the radio show with Rick Green and. Barton. I love Barton. I go to his conferences mm-hmm. about every other year. He's just fantastic. So I came across a just a one-minute clip of the separation of church and state and why it's it's such a fallacy and, and a straw man. But uh, we're going to play this throughout the show a couple times, but it's only a minute long. We're going to play it right now. And folks, listen closely because this is just a quick um, uh lucid lesson from from david barton of wall builders on why the separation of church and state as we hear it is a big lie Mm. tim go ahead so say there's some religious activity in public maybe somebody wants to pray over their lunch at school and they're told they can't do that and they say oh you can't do that because of separation church and state is that what separation church and state really means they will say yes here's the way you respond Number one, where does that phrase come from? And when they say the Constitution, you say, would you please read it for me? Because when they go there, they'll never find it. It does not appear anywhere in the Constitution. And the second thing you do is, wait, we just read the Constitution. It says Congress shall make no law. How does a kid praying over their lunch mean the same as Congress making a law? And the third thing you ask them is, and by the way, if praying over your lunch is so bad, why did we do it for 180 years under the Constitution? And it's only been in recent years that we have not done that. Did we just invent separation church and state? No, it's been there from the beginning, but we've twisted it to mean something that it doesn't mean. So if you ask them those three questions, you can win your argument. Very good. So David Barton. And as he explains, it's not in the Constitution. It's not in any of the 100-plus founding documents, which nope. I learned from David Barton. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a big lie. It was in a letter, comes from a letter that Thomas Jefferson wrote to the Danbury Baptists. And um, um, the Baptists were very um, essential in, in our founding that, uh, you know, with James Madison and mm-hmm. uh, you know Baptist history better than I, but uh, John Leland maybe, mm-hmm. is he the... Um, who I'm thinking of, but anyway, uh, he, uh, a, a Baptist, uh, uh, a famous Baptist, was very instrumental in uh, the Bill of Rights, mm. um, and with uh, influencing James Madison, and Baptists were persecuted 
yep. early on before we were a before we were a nation put in jail beat and and uh, people don't know that but it's uh, but it is a true story so we're going to play that throughout uh, the show today play it a couple more times because to me, I, I learned, Pastor. I think you have the brain where you can hear something once, and you get you come in with no notes, and you just extemporaneously outshine me, which is why I talk about you behind your back. And uh, but uh, me, I have to I have to hear things a number of a number of times too. Hey, even Paul said we need to renew our pure minds by way of remembrance, mm. and you'll find that there's a lot of repetitious themes in scripture over and over yeah. and over again yeah. god is i mean that's really what the, the the old testament echoes into the new test i mean it obviously there's fulfillment and different things taking place but really it's it's all the same story you know and that's why i like that yeah. that hymn i love to tell the story you know mm. no matter how frequently you hear it it's yeah. just so meaningful because that's how you retain so line upon line precept, precept upon, upon precept. precept so yep. build build you build it uh Building block by building block, and that's how you learn. That's how I learn. All right, so here we have um, the highest percentage. Which states have the highest percentage of happily married couples? Hmm. Would, would I, are they California? mostly Midwestern states? Um, I don't know. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you I'm have just, to read it a few times before I'm it'll I'm just stay. giving you the story. Why do you ask me questions? Well, okay, number one. I'm trying to play your game. Number one is not a Midwestern state, but okay. I do want you to guess okay. uh, who's number so who's one. who's number one? Now, read the question again, happily married. Uh, the, the highest percentage of happy, happily married couples uh, per state. Tim, Texas. You don't look it up, Tim, because you can't. that's cheating. Yes, Texas. You, you are. I can see. Texas is wrong. Okay. I love when you're wrong. <laughs> Makes me feel better. Texas is wrong, but you know who it is. Who is it? And I think this must be since you've moved here that we moved in for do I get, West do Virginia. I get, oh, I was going to say West Virginia. West Virginia is number one. Well, I think we tipped when my wife and I moved here. Yeah, we tipped I think the that, scale. Um, so West Virginia has the highest percentage of happily married couples, according to a study by mixed book i don't know who that is but uh, we'll take it the study shows that 90 percent of west virginians are happily married it beats minnesota 88 percent and colorado 86 percent what is it about minnesota and colorado i don't know i don't believe those i believe west virginia of course <laughs> I'm happily married. I get a good woman. The states with the highest percentage of happily married couples accounting, according to the study, here we go, all right? Number one, West Virginia, 90% say, hey, yeah, I'm happy. Wow. Number two, Minnesota. Number three, Colorado. Number four, getting into the Midwest, you want to guess? Okay. Uh, Midwestern. I'm going to go with my my birth state, Iowa. Indiana. You were close. Uh They're contiguous. I believe, right? Or yeah. Indiana, Illinois, Iowa, I think yeah. so. Number five, Kentucky. Number six, Midwestern, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Number seven, Washington State. Okay, it's losing credibility fast. <laughs> but you go outside of Seattle. These states with that's the big true. cities yeah. where no, the, they're true. a mess. Uh, you go out in the – it's like Illinois. Yeah. Illinois is a big old state that run by Chicago because of population. But outside of Chicago, you got Midwestern values. Yep. Uh, number eight, North Carolina. Number nine, Oklahoma, Midwest. <laughs> number 10, 
contiguous state? I'm going to let you guess. One of our contiguous states. Virginia, the state for lovers. It's got to be them. <laughs> no? <laughs> Ohio. Ohio. How can you okay. be happy living in Ohio? No, actually, I, I was a Buckeye for eight years. Tim's, Tim's nodding his head like, hey, I'm a Buckeye. Watch it. But you're not now, but you were, you were born. One of my sons was born in Ohio. One of my sons was born. My, first, my oldest was born in West Virginia. My second was born, keep going west here, in Ohio. My third was born in Indiana. Indiana. Hmm. <laughs> Contiguous states in chronological order. <laughs> had we had more, uh, if we had like 20 kids, we'd have. Be a West Coaster at this California point. <laughs> would have been where we would have, <laughs> naturally. All right, so one more. Uh, how much time we got? Okay. So one more, uh, just for fun here. So I'm a honey guy. I become like a major honey guy. That's Honey's why, good. That's why we have such a good marriage because I'm so sweet. There you go. And um, my wife and I, we, so just like lately, we just, we've. Um, do you just buy it from the store or do you? No. Like- you know where to go? Go to um, the Honey Bee Festival in the summertime. Where's that? It's at the city park. Really? And they have all the vendors from, I don't know, the mile, you know, Ravenswood, local. When is Wood this? County. It's it's in uh, I think July or August. Oh, okay. Because after a certain amount of time you can't get honey anymore. We learned that the hard way. So what we did, pastors, we went to the honeybee festival. Stocked up. And we bought from four different vendors. The vendors weren't there weren't as many vendors this year because I think of we're coming out of COVID mm. and it used to be, you know, really a packed place that and uh, a lot of people would be there. But um so we we went into the main building there, and uh, uh, we bought a big thing of honey from four different vendors because we wanted to see whose was the best, and then buy from them. And we did that, and we just went through that honey like mm. crazy. Yeah. It is, it's I'm good. telling you, incredible. So we have it's good on everything. It's just it is. You know, it's good just by itself. It's good. I put a little in my cereal. The Bible says, "Eat thou honey." Yeah. Which is good for the uh, good for their taste, or just don't eat too much of it. Right is is the principle. But I think uh, I've heard that getting local honey helps you with your allergies, like because well, you have that's the, right. You know, I, that's, I mean, if you're buying, you know, not to knock anybody else's honey, but if you're buying honey from another place, yeah, you're not, so, you're not meeting the need of the the allergens in your right area. So if you get uh, like I bought from, I found a place in Florida. I bought a little bit of honey. It was very good honey. I, I bought some. Like I went to. <laughs> when I saw you at TJ Maxx, I had my there was my little girl. I bought some honey from TJ Maxx because I yeah. can't find any, yeah. so it's okay. Yeah, but this place in Florida, had, but the problem is you get their allergies down there. No, yep. just me. <laughs> all right. So sixteen ounces of honey requires. Listen to this: one thousand one hundred and fifty-two bees to travel one hundred and twelve thousand miles. And visit 4.5 million flowers just for a 16. They are not jar. getting paid with their worth. <laughs> they are. <laughs> they are busy. That's where the busy as a bee uh, comes from. So 16 ounces of honey. That's kind of what you buy. I think that's kind of how they sell it. Large, medium, medium or large. So we bought. I think we bought 16 ounce containers from four different ones. So 1,152 bees. Traveling 112,000 miles 
and visiting 4.5 million. My goodness. <laughs> That'll wear you out. That, I'm tired just wow. thinking about it. So uh, bees, man, they're awesome, and they make honey. And uh, God can God just blows your mind if, yeah. you, if you stop and think about what he does. I mean, how, how did he think about creating bees? All of a sudden, he's, he, he couldn't have just entered into his mind. It was already in his mind. Right. But, it's like anything nothing he occurs, creates. Nothing occurs to God. Nothing occurs to God. <laughs> it's like we have this little dog we bought three years ago, and I, I just I'm I'm amazed at God put thought into making that dog. Yeah. Or whatever animal there is, yep. chimpanzee, hippopotamus, and they're wild. Yeah. They're crazy. Yeah. God's wild. I think he's like a wild man, right? <laughs> All right. When we come back, we're gonna get into the transgender issue a little bit. We thought we'd. Lighten it up for a segment. We're gonna we'll come back when uh, Tim will do the David Barton thing again. We'll talk uh, some transgender stuff. But first story out of the gate: there is a uh, a Satanist convention. Have you heard about this, Pastor? Mm-hmm. In Boston, I think. Wow. And um, it's, I think it's like the first annual. So some Christians are praying against it. But we'll talk about that for a sec, and then. Uh, some transgender stuff, some good news, some uh, concerning news, of course. But uh, right now, you're listening to the Voice of Truth radio show. I'm State Senator Mike Azinger. Got my co-host, Pastor Brian Leversey. We'll be back right after this. A portion of today's programming on Praise FM has been brought to you by an underwriting grant from Levitt Funeral Home. Levitt Funeral Home is the area's only locally owned multi-generational home. Five generations of the Levitt family have been personally involved in serving our community. So, a family can always do business with someone they know, someone they can depend on. Levitt Funeral Home can offer information about grief resources, ideas on planning a funeral or memorial service, information about our products and services, and ways to bring family and friends together through our online obituaries, email condolence program, and information for families about the Levitt Family Center. Levitt Funeral Home is celebrating 125 years of serving the Valley with two locations in Parkersburg and Belpre. The phone number for Levitt Funeral Home is 422-6459. We are thankful for John and Stephen Levitt of Levitt Funeral Home for supporting listener-supported Praise FM Radio. Hi, this is Brian Leversee, Senior Pastor here at Fellowship Baptist Church, and I would love to invite you to come and worship with us. Our services are Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., and then again in the evening at 6 p.m. We have our Sunday school programs at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 p.m. Exciting things are happening at Fellowship Baptist, and I would love to see you there. God bless. Thousands of businesses are established every year. Each began with a good idea, not wishful thinking, but they won't get started if the idea is never shared. God has given us a good idea. Share His love through radio because people need the encouragement of a God-sized message. At this station, we can't let anything come between God's good idea and what you hear. We refuse to be shy about news that changes lives. We will be confident that the encouragement we share is just what you need, and we will be optimistic. 
knowing that you might be one who needed to hear what we're bold enough to share. When people believe in our good idea, they have voluntarily supplied finances that make this good idea great. Help us share God's good idea. Praise FM at praisefm.net. All right, welcome back to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. I'm your host, State Senator Mike Azinger, with my co-host, Pastor Brian Leversey. It's Wednesday morning, if you're listening live. If not, it's Thursday at 5. If not, it's Saturday at 3. And uh, we podcast at Voice of Truth with Mike Azinger. But uh, we are live every Wednesday morning at 9. Not every single Wednesday, but most Wednesdays at 9 o'clock a.m. and we love going live it's a lot of fun and then uh tim records it we play it at five o'clock on thursday saturdays at three o'clock go to our facebook page and like a voice of truth with mike azinger that's our facebook page we've got like 25 likes on there we need to get that thing going <laughs> uh we because we never mention it but uh anyway uh we were talking off off uh uh, uh during the break about I heard this stat that there's 118,000 witches in America. I don't even know what that means. Like, what 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 classifies a witch? I think Is a like witch. A whole, I think like, they say, you know, I'm a witch. There are. I was. Uh, I don't. It's just becoming, you know, you know, fashionable it, it, or something. I don't know how much of this really bizarre stuff, and I, and I and I throw this whole identity crisis in with this too. It's kind of the cool kid kind of thing, yeah. or if it's you know it's a it's an actual commitment to yeah, well, to these movements. I, I and I think at some level it has to eventually get to a point where it's an actual commitment to this movement because we know biblically speaking that that people are going to worship the Antichrist. You know, and a lot of people mm. only look at the financial aspect of the last days. Oh, one world currency, one world government. Oh, you're going to have a chip and a mark so that you can buy, sell, and trade. And, and all of that is true. But that mark, if you, if you study scripture, it's a mark of worship. Hmm. It's, it's, I don't think it's going to be hidden. I don't think it's going to be a chip under the skin. I think it's going to be, you're going to, you're going to see that because it is an emblem of worship. Like I'm, I'm allegiant to yeah. The Antichrist so in this movement and this cause. So, visible. well, I think the, the the religious aspect of that's being set up right now. I think that's why we have this identity issue we do in our culture mm-hmm. today is because Satan is is pulling people away from the image of God so that they can worship the image of the beast. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so, so, what's going to lead that movement? What's going to be the religious underpinning? And and here you're talking about you know I think we're getting ready to roll into the this Satanist movement thing mm-hmm. that that is yeah. meeting, but. But I think there's something. It may start off as kind of the cool kid kind of thing, but but then they get indoctrinated, and then they get set in their heart, yeah, in kind of this worshipful aspect of, yeah. of this garbage. So it's uh, okay. So this is a Christian Broadcasting Network story, and so you know, I take it with a little bit of grain of salt. I think it's maybe um, you know, uh, it smacks of the charismatic flavor you know gotcha so uh, but i've seen this guy they're talking about i've seen his videos i've seen him i think i saw him on interviewed on tv he was a real deal satanist in new york city like <laughs> higher up the, obviously there's a hierarchy 
in uh, because I was reading last night um, about um, you know, I, uh, let me just let me just pull this up here, Pastor, because I, I want to see what. So I was reading last night, get doing show prep here, and the return of an unclean spirit. Did you talk about this recently? I think we had a conversation about it. Okay, on so the show. okay, so I was thinking about it in terms of this is a this is a a, a biblical uh, evidence for a vacuum. Mm-hmm. That's created, you know, nature. That's a law of of physical physics or whatever. That nature abhors a vacuum. Vacuums will always be filled. That's why I think, you know, we have a one point six, one point seven, a birth rate, which is. I think that a vacuum is being filled by the uh, the 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 border. All these tens of thousands mm-hmm. and millions coming across the border. I think the reason we can't stop it is because nature abhors a, a vacuum. We're not reproducing as a country, and we're sucking in all of these immigrants. You know, we're disobeying. I think. I think you've said this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're disobeying the mandate to be fruitful and multiply. Mm-hmm. So, Luke eleven twenty four through twenty six. When the un- unclean spirit is gone out of a man. So how does he leave that man? Is it is he cast out that unclean spirit? By the way, the King James never uses the word demon. Hmm. It's always unclean spirit. Right. Okay, I think it's always that, but it's mm-hmm. never demon. Demon. Uh, so when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest and findeth none. This is interesting. Mm-hmm. This is uh, peeking into the the demonic mm-hmm. world, right? Uh, so then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out, speaking of a person. Right. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Hmm. Okay. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. Hmm. So there is a hierarchy of wickedness within the spiritual realm. Mm-hmm. Is that fair to say that? I, I, I mean, so. and, and you know, the the scriptures don't elaborate specifically on that, but you understand that um, in the book of Revelation, there's going to be a parsing out of degrees of judgment, and part of the the parsing out of those degrees of judgment involve various levels of of evil spirits. So you have you have spirits that are being held right now in imprisonment that will be released as that judgment comes in revelation so you have you have spirits that are going to you know according to scripture uh look like a locust and are going to sting men and they're going to be in pain for six months you've got Mm. i believe the the evil spirit is referred to as a badden that is going to be a a leader of of another type of judgment on people in the book of revelation so definitely there there are even degrees of punishment that are alluded to in scripture concerning hell and it's hard for us to imagine how can it get any worse in hell well, it says in proverbs of of the uh the strange woman or the whore mm-hmm. that her guests are in the depths of mm-hmm. hell right so yeah. there seems to be a depth yep um that different categories will go to right that which would make sense because not everyone is as uh good or bad as the other you know we'll be judged according to our works if we're saved not for salvation but for our rewards Mm -hmm. right and all that's fascinating i mean we don't have enough in scripture to be dogmatic about specific uh 
you know, stances on this stuff, but, but certainly there's, there's open doors for us to understand there's a whole lot more going on in that world it would only than, than make sometimes sense. We, we really think about. So It would only make sense to me because God's a God of order. Before oh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, Lucifer was cast out with his demons, there would have been a hierarchy, I think. Well, obviously, right? Lucifer was he part was of the, the main hierarchy dog, right? because he took a third uh, took of the, the angelic beings with him. So. And then you have uh, Gabriel. Yeah, Archangel. And Michael. Mm-hmm. And and they're the the head guys. You have the cherubims and the seraphims, and obviously they have a degree of responsibility that's different and distinguished from other of the angelic host. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really fascinating to understand the complexity. I mean, it's not hard for us to to understand it. We see it even in our created world, um, and of course, the spirit world's the created world as well. But mm-hmm. it's just a, a whole other dimension that we don't get a whole lot of specific knowledge about. Yeah. So it's amazing to know that there's that same degree of complexity in the spirit world that we see manifested in this physical world. Yeah, so if we could, if we could see... Do you remember the... Uh, we're just kind of rambling here, but do you remember the story of David and the Old Testament? And he was in big trouble, and um, um, one of the... I don't know who said to him, the angel or whoever said, show David, what's really going on? And all of a sudden, he saw the angels all the way around him. In oh, the Elijah. Chair. Elisha. I always get them mixed up. But no, it was yeah. David. Oh, that was David. Okay. But there was, a, there was it, another it thing with Elijah or Elisha, to, too. Yeah. Servant goes out, and he's scared all of a sudden because he sees, he sees the whole... Uh, but, you know, the Bible speaks to that about, um, you know, the degree of, of spiritual levels and forces in Ephesians 6 when... You know, Paul is giving his admonition about putting on the armor of God, and he says, "We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, um, against uh, the evil of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. high places." And so, you have principalities, you have powers, you have spiritual wickedness in high places, and the belief is is that these are degrees and levels in which the spirit world is at work, and and really, the spirit world in in a evil spirits in demonic sense has infiltrated every level of of society and yeah. and is influencing every level of society mm. so yeah it's extremely fascinating when you think about it mm. yeah so i heard somebody say i was listening to uh jonathan Cohen. Mm-hmm. i don't know the harbinger i don't mm-hmm. know if you've read that book it's fascinating i, I don't know all of his theology but I, he's a born-again jew it's incredibly intelligent and he wrote this book called the harbinger that you just—it's irrefutable, I think, in terms of um, what he's saying. But, but um, he was talking about America. He was being interviewed by Glenn Beck. Glenn Beck's a Mormon, and you know, half the time he doesn't know where he is. You know, right. you know he's just. But, uh, but uh, Jonathan Cahn's being gracious and, and answers some fascinating things. He has a book, a new book out, but he talks about the three gods that enter into a uh, a nation first. And the hierarchy of it, but he was said that America, that we the we've always been impervious to this kind of demonic activity that you see in other countries because we preach the gospel here. Yeah, right. I mean, well, you, it goes back to the salt and light principle, right? Those things can't abide together. Wherever there's salt, there's a preservation, and whenever there's light, it's repelling darkness, and that's why even now. Until the Lord comes as he tarries, there, there is the salt and light of his spirit here on earth. When that trumpet sounds, when the believers are taken up, 
when he that letteth will no longer be here to hold back yeah. the, the, the evil God, that the just, Spirit, right? yeah, the Holy Spirit yeah. in his believers. Because we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Mm. The, 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 the reason the Holy Spirit indwells or exists here on earth is it's inside the believer. We The Bible tells us that we are the temple. Christians don't put this stuff together. They don't understand mm. how important it is. Mm you know, that we're filled with the Spirit of God. We are the presence of the Holy Spirit here on earth, believers are, because we're the temple of the Holy Spirit yeah, that's in that's us. Great. When we're taken out, the Holy Spirit's taken out, yeah. and the Holy Spirit won't return to earth again until the 144,000 male Jewish virgins are marked, almost like an Old Testament spirit upon somebody mm. for the purpose of evangelizing uh, Jewish people here on earth and, and people who don't know the Lord here on earth. So there's... I mean, it's just fascinating. fascinating. It really is. I mean, I remember saying to you one time, you know, the Bible is just, uh, mankind is is made, right, to respond to God's word. Absolutely. And you you made a point uh, that, you know, right, that's, God made the word of God. It's fascinating to everybody. If people would read it and listen, you know. Absolutely. And the point with our conversation that we just had about the spirit world that we need to understand is that the physical world doesn't make sense when you separate it from the spiritual world. Hmm. I mean, it doesn't. No, Because right. the spiritual world has an extreme influence on the physical world. It was the spirit world that created the physical world hmm. because right. God is a spirit. It, it's probably <laughs> so, as active or more active than the physical so world. So when you deny it... And you say, oh, we're going to separate church and state. What have you done? You've just pulled the state out of any understanding of how it came to be in the first place. Yes. and, and So now and you're the, in utter confusion. And the law of a vacuum will, will come in because yep. uh, a, a, a false doctrine will inhabit the government. Every government is founded on some kind of religion, mm-hmm. whether it's secular humanism or Hinduism. Everybody whatever. worships something. Everybody worships something because we're created to, worship. to do that. All right, so yep. real quick, we only have a couple minutes, but... I did want to, I did want to share this article. Ex-Satanist and an ex-witch react as Satan Con. That's this this uh, devil conference going on in Boston called Satan Con. C O N. The enemy is waging all our uh, all-out war right in our faces. So um, this is. This is interesting. Let me just read a little bit of this. Christian leaders are responding to. The Satanic Temples, that's an actual organization, announcement about its second public convention. This is their second one. A weekend of blasphemy, Hmm. uh, they describe it as, to be held in Boston, Massachusetts this coming weekend. This is like right now. The event known as SatanCon 2023 will take place from April 28th through the 30th. At the Boston Marriott Co- uh, Copley Place, it's being advertised by the uh, TST, the uh, Satanic Temple, as the largest Satanic gathering in history. Wow. In America, in Boston. Mm-hmm. In Boston. Why? Because Boston believes you should separate church and state. That's what they believe in Massachusetts now. And uh, so there's a big vacuum being filled in, in, in Boston. The wow. event, let's see, I read that. The official theme is Hexenacht in, in Boston, or Witches' Night, an ancient German holiday that occurs annually 
um, on April 30. In response, Christians are sounding alarms and planning to fight a spiritual battle to push against the darkness. So there's going to be um, a, a prayer meeting organizations to to confront this. And, and these Christians are wise because they're saying what you just said, that there's a spiritual warfare that's outside or that co-mingles with the, the physical realm. Yeah, and I'm going to push back on on Christian involvement with this to just a little bit because sometimes I think that this kind of stuff distracts us and it it mobilizes a lot of resources that should be put toward everyday Christian living. Mm. It's not these, and I, I'm not saying we shouldn't show up for stuff like this. I'm not saying that we shouldn't pray against it. I'm not saying that we shouldn't battle it. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I'm saying it's pointless to put a bunch of resources into this if every day we're not going to tell somebody about Jesus. If every day yeah. we're not going to be praying for our community and our leaders. If every day we're not going to be faithfully preaching the gospel from our pulpits. If every day we're not going to make an impact as salt and light. It seems like you can rally believers if it seems to impact their comfort zone. I'm not comfortable with uh, a bunch of witches coming into my city and, um, you know, putting occultism on display. So now I'm going to get involved. Well, that's going to have very little impact. What's going to have the most impact are believers living faithfully every day and being a real witness every day where they're at in their daily conversations pushing back against culture by speaking the truth in love, Mm -hmm. by having an answer of their faith for real people in their lives they can affect. I mean, you're going to show up at at these things, and yeah, there might be a presence, but you're going to get villainized, and you're going to get marginalized, and you're going to get sensationalized, and the whole message is going to get lost in that. Jesus didn't go and make big spectacles, you know, to, to, to drum up the people against something he went and and found the man up in the tree and Mm. and found the woman that was about ready to get stoned and found the woman at the well and found levi the tax collector and went and ate with him and so i think we need to be careful that we don't fall into the trap as christians is only being active during the sensational not every day is a david and goliath moment but every day is a day we're required to be obedient yeah, to God. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I, th- I think you could say that if we did what you said, that uh, we wouldn't be confronting uh, that's exactly this, kind right. of a, this kind of a scenario where you have uh, the biggest uh, meeting of Satanists right. in history in, in America. So, uh, all right, we're out of time for this segment. And when we come back, we're going we're gonna, to uh, talk some uh, some of into the uh, we're going to walk into the arena of the uh, the transgender chaos a little bit got a little bit of good news but uh, some statistics what's going on there because it uh, it's not going away folks and it's a battle that uh, that we need to be on the forefront of you're listening to the voice of truth radio show we'll be right back
A portion of today's programming on Praise FM 103.9 and Faith Talk 1450 is brought to you by Reno Refinishing. Reno Refinishing is a locally owned and operated furniture repair and refinishing shop. Mike McKenzie, the owner and operator of Reno Refinishing, has 25 years of experience in furniture repair and restoration. Reno Refinishing is available for a free quote to strip and refinish a favorite furniture piece, fix a broken table or chair, or bring a family heirloom back to life. The motto of Reno Refinishing is, no job too big or too small. The phone number for Reno Refinishing is 740-376-0342. And their before and after pictures can be seen at facebook.com slash Finish. We are thankful for Mike McKenzie and our friends at Reno Refinishing for their support of listener-supported Praise FM 103.9 and Faith Talk 1450. Hi, this is Brian Leversee, Senior Pastor here at Fellowship Baptist Church, and I would love to invite you to come and worship with us. Our services are Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., and then again in the evening at 6 p.m. We have our Sunday school programs at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 p.m. Exciting things are happening at Fellowship Baptist, and I would love to see you there. God bless. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. I'm your host, State Senator Mike Asinger, with Pastor Brian Leversey. The only show in America where you will experience the fusion of church and state. So we're on live most Wednesdays, 9 a.m. and Thursdays at 5. This show is recorded, played again, Saturdays at 3. Also, you can uh, you can hear our podcast, all of them, I think. Is that right, Tim? All 70 of our shows so far at Voice of Truth with Mike Azinger. And, hey, uh, go to Facebook if you're on Facebook. And like our Voice of Truth with Mike Azinger page. We need to get that going. Uh, we post, Tim's been posting something from our show every every week off that, whether it's something we discuss. I think you've been taking little uh, videos of us there. Uh, have you been getting on my good side or my fat side? <laughs> He's been getting your honey side. <laughs> <laughs> we did talk about honey earlier in the show. Uh, so I'm a honey, I'm a honey nut, honey and nut Cheerios, mm. but I'm a honey guy. I love honey, and so is God. By the way, Samson, yeah. remember Samson? He came across the lion. What's that all about? What's a, what's that all about? A dead lion and bees take up take up residence. Must be cheap rent there. Yeah, you know, I think it's all so. They can afford. Nobody else. So is we're not going to judge them, right? <laughs> but uh, well, we we discussed they don't make very much for as much work as they no, do. No, we, we did discuss so. that. So should we go there again? Yes, since you brought it up, now you're thinking, why did I bring that up? So here it is: three stats on honey that I'll just. 16 ounces of honey requires 1,152 bees to travel. 112,000 miles, and uh, that's uh, a lot of, of, uh, that's a lot flight, of activity. flight miles. Is that like, <laughs> uh, what do you call that? Uh, you could go on vacation, a pretty nice vacation for all those miles. They get all kinds of free yeah, flights. Yeah, I, I think so. And uh, visiting 4.5 million flowers, and that's how honey's made. God's amazing how he does all that. Um, so I had my article all set up before you brought up honey, so I have to... Blame you, Pastor, on this one. I'm a wrench in the cog of the show. That's my role. Well, I had it. Here it is. Okay, so. Oh, these. Uh, we need to bring your daughter in to show you how to use your smartphone. <laughs> the other day, I was trying to. I said, honey, can you. Mike. Might suck my daughter. She's 13. Can, I can't get this thing. 
<laughs> on the fixed. Can you? And she said, came over in two seconds. It was. Okay, here we go. Teachers or school staff don't have to use a student's preferred pronouns in the classroom according to a new bill passed by the Tennessee legislature. So, in Tennessee, and they're passing some good stuff down there. They've been in battle down there, too, with people um, yeah. coming into the... Insurrection. Yeah, in, right. In the yeah. state house. Exactly. That's uh, basically what it is. So, anyway, they, they passed a bill that says, hey, look, uh, uh, you don't have to... You know, by the way, there, there's a there's a teacher at uh, Parksburg High School, a man who dresses as a female every day to class. He teaches, and the kids are required to call him Mrs. Hmm. The, yeah. the high school principal said that. Wow. Um, all right, so um, let me get to the other story. This is a Reuters story that's that uh here it is okay so how much time we got 13 minutes putting number numbers on the rise in children seeking gender care so this is a numbers thing in terms of what's going on in the gender phobia world uh which we've been talking about a lot lately um i think we talked about it last week mm-hmm. and we've talked about um a book that i've read that is uh it's 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 just exploded in terms of its popularity called uh, Irreversible Damage, which is self-explanatory. And what we're doing to these kids, what these doctors are doing to these Mm -hmm. kids, chopping them up, it's just ungodly. So Abigail Schreier is the author of that book and makes uh, some some great points on it. Um, uh, Just just pulls the lid up and Mm -hmm. and lets you see what's underneath the rock. Thousands of children in the U.S. This is Reuters, which is liberal, but uh, this is this is uh, just some hard hard data. Thousands of children in the United States now openly identify as a gender different from the one they were assigned at birth. Hmm. Their numbers surging amid growing recognition of transgender identity and rights, even as they face. Persistent prejudice and discrimination. They're the victims. Yeah, Yeah, they're always the victims. As the number of transgender children has grown, so has their access to gender-affirming care, much of it provided at scores of clinics at major hospitals. These clinics popping up all over the country. Uh, Reliable counts of adolescents adolescents receiving gender-affirming treatment have long been guesswork until now. Reuters worked with health technology company Komodo Health, Inc., to identify how many youths have sought and received care. That would be uh, either um, some kind of an operation, Mm -hmm. which are ghoulish, or some kind of puberty blocker, or some kind of hormone therapy. So puberty blockers, what do they do? They stop the process of puberty Mm -hmm. in a prepubescent child or postpubescent, but but prepubescent they stop it. Think of the consequences yeah. of that. Uh, cross uh, cross hormone therapy. They give estrogen to boys and and uh, testosterone to girls. And the damage it does is 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 just hmm. uh, for another show. But it's awful. The data showed that more and more families across the country are grappling with 
profound questions about what type of care to pursue for their children, placing them at the center of a vitriolic national political debate over what it means to protect hmm. youth who identify as transgender. So you, yeah. this is Reuters, so you have to put up with some of yeah. their... All right, so now listen to this, Pastor. Diagnoses of youths with gender dysphoria. That just means you're not sure what sex you are. Um, and th- this has been around forever, but j- it has exploded because mm-hmm. of these influencers on YouTube and because of schools, public schools, and because of other reasons, but mainly those two. Diagnoses of youths with gender dys- dysphoria surge. All right, 2007. This is only going back four or five years, mm-hmm. uh, six years. Uh, they have data up to 2021. New diagnoses in the United States of patients six, ages 6 to 17. Uh, these are kids diagnosed with gender dysphoria. 2017, there were 15,000. I'm going to round up or down. 2017, uh, 15,000. 2018, 18,000. Hmm. So it goes up a lot. 2019, 21,000. So yeah. it's going up about 3,000 a year. 2020, 24,000. So it's going up mm. 3,000 again. Then from 2020 to 2021, it goes from 24,000, it's called 25,000, to 42,000. Man. Almost doubled. Well, it's just the agenda they're putting out there is is seeding the minds and hearts of our culture so that they're responsive to this. And uh, so what... Uh, what you see in these graphs, and they have graphs of six states, and these are liberal states, okay? California is a straight skyrocketing yeah. dash. Yeah. I mean, from it, it just non, it just boom from 2017 to 2021 just skyrockets in California. Mm-hmm. That's because one reason is they have parents out there who are very liberal and. Uh, we learned from uh, the book that I talked about last week that 90% of these kids that have this have uh, have parents who believe in gay marriage and believe that transgenderism is okay. Mm-hmm. They don't have parents that say, look, we uh, parents with a biblical worldview who love Jesus and love their kids and want to give them boundaries yeah. and truth, that, that's not the kids that this no. happens to. No. Well, and, and the thing is, is this is abortion 2.0, uh, abortion 1.0 was aborting human life. Now we've moved to aborting human identity. And uh, what you're going to see is much like with abortion health rights movements and the prolific creation of abortion clinics, you're going to find the same kind of Planned Parenthood but Planned Identity you know, movement where you're going to see these clinics being set up right across from schools and built right, you know, where yeah. it's convenient for these children to go and and take care of business like they would take care of business with abortion. And there better be some legislation. I know they the the other side has already learned that hey, uh, we can't have like like we have like here in, in town a, a women's care center that gives another option for crisis pregnancy and tells moms how, how beautiful pregnancy is and how valuable their child is they're carrying in them. That's why the federal government's worked so hard 
to not allow there to be a, a nonprofit or church that speaks into the identity of people and, and try to affirm their actual biological identity. They've, they've tried to make that illegal to do. So we better start getting some legislation in the state, some legislation at the federal level that gets passed where we can start setting up, like we do with women care centers, identity care centers, where we can really you know, be a help to people affirming their biological identity and getting them help for gender dysphoria where that's a problem and, and messaging the fact that there is a, um, a hard and fast identity that God has given to human beings. Mm, right. And uh, so we st- this go- and this goes back to the 60s. I made this point last week. But had we stayed within the confines of God's model for sexuality, which is within uh, the context of marriage, if we'd all stayed there and, and uh, our our culture had never left, then uh, all of this stuff, that's where it comes from. Mm. Had, we, had we kept that, that, that ideal that we were founded on in terms of, of marriage and, and that being the, the context of, of sexuality, and don't go out, outside of that. Mm-hmm. You know, Bill Bennett, who was uh, Reagan's, uh, Reagan's drug czar and education secretary, said that abstinence works every time it's tried. Yep. And if, if we just would preach that, because God said it, because God has that, that plan for our lives, and that's where he'll bless us, and mm-hmm. he wants to bless us. And when we step outside of that, then bad things will happen. Mm-hmm. And who knows? God doesn't say, well, this is where we're going to end up. But he does say sin, when it is finished, mm-hmm. bringeth forth death. Yeah. And I have this awful story about a boy that I, I can't even read it on the air. I wish I, wish I could. But about a boy who went through one of these surgeries to to uh, transition from a girl uh, from a boy to a girl he had taken puberty blockers and that messed him up and on the operation tra- table they tried to do certain things to him mm-hmm. and it went bad and he got e coli and he died wow he died from this infection and this is this is what's happening um, across the country but uh, um, you know, it's 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 solved. You know, in the church and and hmm. with with family, mom and dad, and that's how that's how we fix it. Yeah. So, um, what do we got here left? Four minutes. So I got. I want to. Uh, there's a story here, Pastor. We were talking about a minute ago that um, the United Methodist Church, who we know is just has just. Um, Gone very liberal in the last, I don't know, couple of decades, and has assumed this ideology of the LGBT and and uh, gay marriage and so on. But there's been a pushback within within the United Methodist Church, John Wesley's church, isn't it? I think that the mm-hmm. the, the Methodists and the Wesleyans combined made it the United Methodist Church. But this is Wesley's. Wesley was just amazing. I don't know how many churches were started from his from hmm. his preaching, but uh, 55 congregations in Oklahoma have disaffiliated from the United Methodist Church 
joining a wave of churches departing the mainline Protestant denomination since last year. So this is this has just really been building, and in the last year, tons of churches have left. At a special called conference held on Saturday, delegates at the UMC Oklahoma Conference voted to recognize this disaffiliation votes of uh, the disaffiliation votes of 55 congregations representing over 10 percent of their 425 member churches. So these are churches that are saying, look, we believe in a biblical marriage. We believe uh, we don't believe in the LGBT, uh, that whole message. We believe in staying uh, faithful to to Scripture. Um, let's see here. Oh, there's a couple of quotes in here that I, I wanted to get to. How long we have to? One one minute. But uh, so anyway, we won't we won't uh, belabor. But so you have you have uh, United Methodist Church. There's thousands of these churches in the country, and mm-hmm. they're, you you can just drive down the highway and see them. If you yeah. go to when I go to Charleston um, for a session or whatever. There's several just right yeah. there on the highway. Old, beautiful churches. They all look the same, but they they are just so so pretty and just uh, set this you know always set in the countryside around here anyway. And at one time they were ablaze with the fire of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just when you turn away from His Word, you don't have anything to stand on. Amen. All right, we're done for the day. Thanks for joining us, folks. You're listening to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. We podcast at Voice of Truth with Mike Azinger. Go to our Facebook page, folks. Give us a like at uh, Voice of Truth with Mike Azinger there also. God bless you. Have a great day. I will choose to listen.